If you had to answer the question, why is Montgomery in the place where it is? The answer would be because of the bend in the river. Access to water and to water-based transportation is the reason our earliest settlers gathered here on the banks of the Alabama and the reason our city grew. But the river was even more fundamental to the people of Israel. In their case, the Jordan River. It was the river that marked the entrance of God's people into the promised land. God commanded the waters to stand up in a heap and Joshua led them across on dry land into the inheritance of rest that God had prepared for them. And so their nation was begun. So it was with a sense of going back to the beginning that we read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. The common people, Matthew says, came and confessed their sins and were baptized by John in the Jordan River. But the rich and powerful came and John challenged them to prove their repentance with acts of justice, warning them that the time was near when God would bring judgment on oppressors. But all of this was just the preparation. The point was not just to go to the river, but to cross into the promised land. The goal was not repentance for his own sake, but to prepare us for the one who would come after John. And so he concludes by saying, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So here we are today at the riverfront, the place of new beginnings. The question is, who will cross over and who will be left behind? Great to see you here today. Appreciate you braving the cold weather. And we know we have lots of folks still visiting with uh, the holidays. And we know we got folks sick and virus is still uh, out there and uh, grabbing some folks. So we are so glad you're here. And for the folks who are joining us by television and by live stream, one of our platforms there, we are so glad you are joining us today. You're part of our family. Let's welcome them this morning. We do that. Well, we are continuing with our series on Thy Kingdom Come from the Gospel of Matthew. And as we think about this kingdom, we realize it's, it's more than us. It's all the folks around us. It's more than our church. It's all the churches that are around us. And so we've been praying for different churches in our community. And today we want to pray uh, for First Methodist Church and Pastor Jay Cooper. I don't know. There's a picture of it there. Um, and all the wonderful ministry they do in the, the Cloverdale area. That church has such a special place in my heart because some of you may know that's where we do usually our ordination of our ministers. I was ordained both a deacon there and I was ordained an elder in that church and uh, many wonderful worship services and times at that church. And so we want to pray for them and for their continued ministry there for all their pastors, all their staff. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and lift them up. Lord, we praise you and give you thanks. For the gift of this day and this opportunity to come and to worship you and bless us as we share this time in your word. But we want to pray especially for First Methodist Church today and for uh, Pastor Jay Cooper and all of the staff and ministers that are there just doing a wonderful ministry over in the Cloverdale area. So you bless them, Lord. 
Right now, we ask you to reach down your hand upon them, and we pray for safety and a hedge protection around them, and we pray for your Holy Spirit to be poured out upon them, uh, that they might minister and meet the needs that you have called them uh, to do. We thank you for them and for their faithfulness, and again, ask you to bless First Methodist Church this day and every day, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, I know we have just finished Christmas, but I want us to focus a little bit today on Easter. Some of our songs that were sung today were kind of resurrection Easter songs. If you have your Bible, if you have your app or whatever you're looking on, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Some of that was shared with us on a video that we saw. So imagine an Easter morning, Easter sunrise service. Some of you have probably experienced those early in the morning as the sun is coming up. I was serving a church in Mobile, Alabama. And in that church, we always reserved the municipal park. And we would have a sunrise service there at the pavilion. Uh, Usually the minister would preach. Sometimes we'd have a guest preacher. But one year we decided, let's do a drama instead. And the way this drama worked was I would stand up and begin like I was saying Uh, the message when people would start coming up and sharing their experience with Jesus. Some were Bible characters, some were just people off the street. So I got up in a pulpit and I began to, to speak some words when suddenly out from among the trees comes this guy with hair that is long and is unkept. He's got this long beard. He's got this burlap uh, garment around him. He's got a staff in his hand and he comes out from those trees and hollers, Repent! Repent! The kingdom of God is near! And so we began a conversation. And of course, he was part of the drama. And he was sharing his experience with Jesus and who he was and a resurrection. When we came to the end of the service, a gentleman in the congregation came up to me and he says, You know, when that guy came out of the trees, he looked so wild. He says, I knew he was some homeless vagrant living out there. And he says, I came that close to taking him out. I was just about to pull him down to the ground. We think about John the Baptist. He was a wild kind of guy, wasn't he? I mean, wearing this garment made out of camel's hair. Anybody got some camel's hair in their closets? I don't think so. Uh, A leather belt. Ate strange food. How about locusts and wild honey? Um, Anyone here eaten a locust? I I will confess I have eaten a chocolate-covered grasshopper. That's about as close uh, as I've gotten. But imagine that. What were the people going out there to see? Well, they were going out there to see a prophet. You see, the children of Israel had not experienced a prophet for 400 years since the time of Malachi. And here came this one um, in appearance like Elijah and sharing this message of repentance. And many came out of curiosity, but uh, there were also the religious leaders and the wealthy that came out there as well to see just exactly what was going on. And he had a word for them. Did they know about his miraculous birth? Uh, That both his father and his mother, his mother was barren, his father was old in age, and an angel came and visited him and told him he was gonna have a son? In his old age, he would call him John, and he would be the precursor, the forerunner of the Messiah that was about to come into the world. Remember that story? They were of priestly lineage, both Zechariah and Elizabeth, which meant not only were they from the tribe of Levi, but they were direct descendants of Aaron as well. And so they were of the priestly line. So was 
John, but he was out in the wilderness proclaiming this message. And as I prepared for this sermon, I began to think, what would he look like today? How would John the Baptist appear to us today? Would he be wearing those same kind of weird outfit and things? Would he be out in the wilderness shouting and yelling at folks? Maybe he'd be in a business suit and he'd be on television like a televangelist or maybe he'd be online with a, with a blog or on social media. I don't exactly know uh, what he would be doing. And what about his diet? Would he still be eating locusts and wild honey or maybe be a vegan or maybe he would... Um, be eating only organic food or gluten-free or I don't know, living off the land, I'm not sure. But as I thought about that, I thought, you know, it's not so important for us what he would look like or what he looked like or what he ate. But what is his message? What are the words that he spoke and what are the words that he would speak to us today? So I invite you to listen. To listen to hear what is John saying to you today. Now, one of the first words we read in the scripture that he said was about repenting. Listen to the first verse of chapter three. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent. And have you said that the past week? <laughs> Maybe the past month, you've used that word. Just say it with me. Repent. Repent. Now say it with a little gusto. Repent. Ooh, it's got this harsh kind of weird feeling to it, doesn't it? Yeah, strange kind of word. And yet it has deep, deep meaning to us. It causes us kind of to cringe a little bit. When I lived in Pensacola, they had street corner preachers. You ever heard one of those? I don't think there are any in Montgomery, but in, in Pensacola, there was a Bible college, and part of you going to school there is you had to go and do street preaching. Had to go to different corners, and there you would, and they'd have their Bible open, and they'd be slapping that Bible, and they'd be yelling at you, and it wasn't really good. You're going to hell! Repent! Turn to God before it's too late! And they'd be shouting. Most people just would roll up their windows you know, trying to turn the other way. I can remember sitting at a traffic light with my wife, and one of them was on the corner, and I said, where is the good news? <laughs> Where's the good news in that? But sometimes we need to hear that message, don't we? Just like John the Baptist. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. As I mentioned, there's deep meanings to this word. It's, it's much deeper than just confessing our sins. It's much deeper than recognizing that I've done something wrong or that I'm a sinner or that I'm going the wrong way. It actually means a turning to about face, to turn 180 degrees. So what John was calling us to do was to turn from our selfish nature and our sinful nature, turn away from that, and instead turn toward God. To repent, to turn, to become more Godlike. It's more than just words, it's actually doing something. And do you know, Jesus took up this very message when he began his ministry. In the next chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, we read these words. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. And what did he preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Is there something in your life you need to repent of? Is there something in your life you need to turn away from? 
Maybe some anxious thoughts. Maybe some bad feelings toward another person. Maybe it's uh, some bad habits, some addictive behavior that you have that God is saying, turn away and turn to me as we begin this new year. It's a great time for us to think, what is God calling me to repent from? Is that John's word to you today? Repent, repent, the kingdom of heaven is coming near. The next thing we read that he also shared was to prepare the way. Prepare the way for the Lord. In verse three it says, this is he who has spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling into wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. A quote from Isaiah 40 verse three. Prepare the way for the Lord. Now in these times, when any kind of dignitary or royalty or ruler was coming, messengers would go before that person into the villages, into the towns, into the communities and let them know, hey, a very important person is coming. Prepare, prepare the way for them to come. It would just be like us if we knew someone special was coming to our house to eat with us or someone special was coming to church or to our workplace or something, we'd probably prepare, wouldn't we? We want things to look good, we want things to be straight. It's what John was saying, there is somebody very special who is coming, the anointed one, the very son of God is coming, prepare, prepare the way, make the path straight. He said, I am not the one, I am not the one you're looking for, but he is coming and we need to be ready and we need to be prepared. Are you prepared for the Lord's coming? That's what Advent was about, preparing for the birth of Jesus, and now we move forward. I heard about some modern day prophets, and uh, they were on the side of a road holding up their signs. One of them had a big sign that said, stop. The other one had a sign saying, the end is near. And a car came by, and he just kind of honked and waved and went on, and then you heard the squealing of tires and a crash. The two prophets looked at one another and said, maybe we just should tell them that the bridge is out. We are all called to be prophets too, to tell folks, prepare. Prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. One of the greatest things you might can do this year is to find someone and help prepare their heart for the Lord to come in and dwell with them. We can help them with misconceptions they have about God. You know, so many people believe God is just standing up there ready to zap them. You step out of line, bam, I'm gonna get you. But we have a loving God, a merciful God, a gracious God. Some people are thinking, I'm not good enough. I, I've done things in my life that, 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 oh boy, God couldn't stand looking at that. And, and I've still got things I'm working out in my life and I'm just not good enough. And we need to tell them, you don't have to be good enough. God's waiting for you just as you are. Prepare the way in your own heart, prepare the way in others so that the Lord can come. Is that what John is telling you today? Prepare the way. As I mentioned, there were wealthy and religious leaders that came to him and what he said to them and reminded them was, you need to flee the wrath to come. Flee the wrath to come. Several verses, verse seven of chapter three, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Not very nice, is it? You snakes, you serpents. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? 
In verse 10, the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And verse 12, his winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, but burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. You know, sometimes it's hard being a minister because people change their behavior when they're around you. I just walked out in the atrium a little while ago and they said, shh, here comes the minister, shh, be quiet. Uh, when we go places, my wife Ashley sometimes tell me, says to me, don't tell them what you do. You know, now if you're asked directly, you don't want to lie, but, but don't tell them. We, we've been on vacations and cruises and we've sat down at a table with people and when I've told them I'm a minister, we don't see them again. <laughs> they just don't, don't want to come back because I, I don't know exactly why that is. So I try and come up with creative things, creative ways of saying what I do. Sometimes I tell folks, well, I'm in the military. I'm in God's army. I'm actually a, a general in God's army, so just so you know that. Or I've also told people that I sell insurance, especially sell fire insurance, okay? Keep you away from, from the fire. And that's what John was saying, flee the wrath to come. You know, so many people believe in heaven. We want to believe in this beautiful place, you know, and the lightness and the brightness. And a lot of people say, oh, I believe in heaven. I believe there's got to be something beyond this world that is so much better than where we're living. But people don't want to believe in the other place. <laughs> I don't want to believe that God's going to judge or that God's wrath will be poured out on us or that there's a place of eternal fire and, and damnation and punishment. I don't want to believe that yet. This was John's word. It's also Jesus' word. He told us of the reality. Now you see, this place was not made for us. God's desire is not that we should be punished or be damned for eternity. That's not God's desire for us. His desire is for all of us to be saved and to experience heaven. But this place really was created for uh, the Satan, for Satan, the devil, and all those angels that followed him. Jesus spoke about it. Matthew 25 verse 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Mm. Flee from the wrath that is to come. When John and Charles Wesley started the Methodist movement, helping people to um, get their lives straight and starting a revival and starting a renewal movement in the church. In order to join into this group, these bands and these classes, one of the questions was, do you have a desire to flee the wrath to come? Do we have a desire to do that? Do we believe in the reality of a heaven and that there is a hell? And if that is true, then we should, our hearts should break for those who we know aren't going to heaven, who don't believe in Jesus Christ. We should do everything in our power, in our grasp to change that situation, to let them know that there's a place of wonder, um, a place of, uh, of glory and beauty where they can go and, it, it, and to share with them about God's love. Is that John's word to you? about fleeing the wrath to come to help those to avoid that place. Another part of his message was to bear fruit of repentance. In verse eight, he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What John wanted the folks to know is it's not enough just to talk about it. It's not enough just to say, yes, I want to repent of my sin. I want to repent of these things in my life. You've got 
to do it. You have to do something. There must be a change in your behavior. James would write in his book, faith without works, faith without good deeds is dead. Jesus said, we are like trees and trees produce fruit and if it doesn't, it will be cut down. We need to do deeds of love and justice and care for other people. Let me read this parallel passage in Luke chapter 3. This is the same uh, thing where he's talking about John the Baptist and his message, but he goes into a little more detail about this fruit of repentance. He says, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then, the crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they said, teacher, what should we do? And he said, don't collect any more than you are required to. Then some of the soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money, don't accuse people falsely, and be content with your pay. Share what you have. Be kind to others. A young man had gone home for Christmas. His family was in Atlanta, and they shared together, and they exchanged gifts like most of us do. He received a beautiful new overcoat, his old one he had had for several years and was beginning to, to wear out, and so he got this new coat, and the next day after they celebrated, he was on his way home. And as he got onto the on-ramp onto the interstate, he saw there a homeless person. Now, it was a cold morning, just like this morning, and a man standing there with the sign, you know, please help, was just in a t-shirt and blue jeans. And his heart was touched. And he pulled his car to the side of the road and he got out. And he took off his new overcoat. And he placed it on the man. And he took out a $20 bill and he says, here, be warm. Get something to eat. And remember, God loves you. He went back to his car and he put on his old code and began driving down the road and he realized that he too had been blessed. He'd been nourished by the deed that, that he had done. Now, frankly, I think I would have thought about giving him my old coat, but he gave him his new coat, not thinking about himself, but thinking about the other person first. That's what John was talking about. If you got new coats, share it with somebody else. You got extra clothes in your closet, give it to someone who needs it. If you got extra food in your pantry, give it to someone who is hungry. Do an honest day's work. Work as unto the Lord and be content with what you have and what you're given. Bear fruit of repentance. But not only that kind of fruit of good deeds, but also the fruit of bringing other people into the kingdom. Oh, think about what it would be like next year if you brought somebody into the Lord's kingdom. Jesus said, hey, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Is there someone you can think of right now that you can pray for, that you can encourage, that you can bring into the kingdom so that you too are bearing fruit? Is that John's word for you today? Bear fruit for God's kingdom in your own life and in others. John also said, don't rely on your father Abraham to save you. Don't depend on other people. Verse nine, do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. Whose faith are you depending on? Is it your parents? 
your grandparents? Is it the fact that you go to a, a Bible-believing church and say, hey, that's good enough. I go there to church. That should save me. I'm in, I'm in good stead. I've got a good lineage, a good inheritance. My family's always been going to church and things like that. John says that's not enough. God can make believers right out of those stones. But you've got to know your own heart. You've got to have faith in your own self. You have to know that you have opened your heart to Jesus Christ and you have to behave differently because of that. Salvation depends on your own personal faith, not on someone else's. How you respond, what you did, how you live your life. In John 8, chapter 32, and also verse 39, we find these words that Jesus said to some of these religious leaders. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But they answered him, hey, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that you will set us free? Abraham is our father, they answered. But Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. You see, Abraham's doing was not enough for them. You have to do the works. How's your heart with God? Are you right with God? Are you doing what he's calling you to do? Are you depending on someone else? And finally, John talked about a different kind of baptism. He said, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who's gonna do something much more significant to you. In verse 11, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire. I love fires. Maybe you have a fireplace. I love the sound of it. The warmth, the glow. Um, it's just a wonderful thing, but fire can also be very scary. Um, it can do a lot of damage and cause a lot of devastation. Fire can also purify and cleanse things. In the Bible, fire is often a sign of God's presence. When the Hebrew people were coming out of Egypt and they wandered through the wilderness, God was present with them. How? In a pillar of fire. A pillar of fire that guided them, that directed them, that protected them. A sign of God's presence. And the Holy Spirit is God's presence with us. God living in our hearts, burning in our hearts, encouraging us, strengthening us, protecting us. It was also a reminder of the day of Pentecost that was yet to come in Acts chapter two. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire and that separated them and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Fire and the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost. Have you been anointed with God's Spirit? We believe when we receive Jesus Christ, his Spirit comes into us and fills our hearts and we receive gifts of the Spirit things that we can do, we receive his encouragement and his strength. Maybe John is saying to you, you need that fresh anointing of God's spirits. I love the passage in the Gospel of John where it says, on the night that Jesus resurrected, that Easter evening, he appeared to his disciples, and what did he do? It says, he breathed on them. 
And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Has the Lord breathed upon you? Have you received of his Holy Spirit? Does it burn in your heart? Is this the word that John has for you? Be filled with God's Spirit. Be anointed. Be on fire for him. Acknowledge his presence and his work in your life. Listen. Listen to the message of John the Baptist. What is he saying to you today? What is he calling you to do? We're about to start a new year. And maybe during this new year, you can heed his voice and the words that he would say, and you can respond. Prepare the way so that the kingdom of God may come. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for your servant, John, for his message and for his word to us. Help us, Lord, to listen. Help us to hear him speak to us, whatever that message may be, if it's to repent, if it's preparing the way, if it's to open the way for others to come in, if it's bearing fruit, if it's being anointed by his spirit, if it's fleeing from the wrath to come, whatever it is, Lord, help us to hear and to respond and to listen. And help us, Lord, to go out and proclaim this good news to others. The kingdom is drawing near. May we prepare the way. And all God's children said, Amen.